Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Monday the 31st of August. Well, there's always an avalanche of data from Asia on the first and last days of the month, and today was no exception. 26 separate data drops resulted in seven surprises and five shocks. Naturally, you'd expect these to contain several unmissable stories. But if so, I'm afraid I can't find them today. So let's start with what didn't happen. China's CFLP PMIs for manufacturing and non-manufacturing were a non-event. The manufacturing PMI was almost unchanged at 51, suggesting a marginal, very marginal rise. Uh, new orders gain strength a little, but export orders are still shrinking. Output growth slowed slightly, but work backlogs rose slightly. And although employment continued to fall, it did so at a relatively mild pace. Non-manufacturing PMI rose a point to 55.2, which suggested the briskest expansion since September 2017, on the back of new orders rising faster despite export orders continuing to fall. But backlogs and expectations both fell, so evidently no one's getting excited about improving conditions. As I say, these PMIs really shouldn't be changing anyone's mind about anything important. India reported its second quarter GDP growth, which was as disastrous as one would expect given the lockdown it's undergone. For the record, GDP was down 22.8% year on year, 22.8% year on year. Private consumption was down 26.7%. Gross fixed capital formation down 47.1%, exports down 19.8%, imports down 40.4%. The only growth was coming from government consumption, which rose 16.4% year on year. I think these results really speak for themselves, and I don't think at this point I can add any useful commentary to it. Elsewhere, there's a small point of comparison between industrial conditions pertaining in July in Japan and South Korea. Who's doing better of these two? Well, initially, it looks like Japan had the better July, with output up 8% month on month, while South Korea's manufacturing output was up only 1.8%. But Japan has a lot of catching up to do. In year-on-year -year terms, its output was down 16.1% year-on-year, while South Korea's was down only 2.4. And there's a similar story about inventories. Japan's inventories were down 1.6% month-on-month, while South Korea's rose 3% month-on-month. So is Japan doing better? Well, look at the starting point. Although Japan's inventory-to-shipment ratio fell by 8.9% on the month, it's still up 16% year-on-year and 22% above the 10-year average. South Korea's inventory turnover ratio, on the other hand, fell 1.4% month-on-month, but was only up 4% year-on-year. Mind you, they both continue to have an inventory problem which hasn't been resolved. And after all, South Korea's inventory to turnover ratio, too, is still running 17.3% above its 10-year average. Moral? The timing's a little different between these two, but both Japan and South Korea have work to do to re-establish some sort of industrial equilibrium. 
Japan had the slightly better July, but has plenty of ground to catch up. Well, that's all for today. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, it's always hard when there's just this colossal avalanche of data. If you did get something out of it, please help spread the word. Every listener counts. Uh, if you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com. Thank you.